Okay, Love, Death, and Robots, um, Volume 2, came out 2001, um, and it was good. Not as good as Season 1, but not as bad as Season 1 either, if that makes sense. So in other words, you had higher highs and lower lows in Season 1, whereas in Season 2, it was generally all good, but just there were no standout, well, there was not much of any standout great um great ones in season two but it was still very good to watch um i think that netflix of course need to keep producing this is one of the most unique um experiences out there right now um this is why in the long run i think netflix will be still uh beating disney and all these others but there's one in the um selection pop squad which would be the third episode in season two we had to talk about Pop Squad. I have to review Pop Squad a little bit. Pop Squad, very interesting. It raised a lot of questions. And I think um, we need to kind of dive into these questions. So, one of the questions, one, let me just do a, a brief recap. In Pop Squad, we introduced a new a agent. He seemed grizzly, seemed like he's been on the job for a while. And he enters our apartment and in there, there's this woman being questioned, and then they're taking her out, and you're confronted with these children who are playing. And he, of course, pull out his gun, they're taking the old lady away. She's saying something about how um, the children them haven't had the breakfast. And then you, you recognize that he say how he went to deal with the children, and you recognize he about to shoot these children. Now, at this point in time, you're thinking, Maybe he told everybody to leave. Maybe he went and rescued them or something like that. But no, he shoot them. And that keep playing on him throughout the rest of the um, episode. Now, at first I was thinking to myself, if he's doing this job for all this time, and he must have done this a few times before, why it is these particular children um, would be haunting him this way? But my wife pointed out that, you know, PTSD could happen at the most odd times. People just tend to break down um, in in a in a future date, it's not necessary that you do something, you know, uh three years ago and immediately as you did it, you then start suffering with some sort of mental illness. Sometimes you could go on for years doing something and then later on it it begin to haunt you. So we catching this guy just when he beginning to crack. So he must have done this job a hundred different times and he now beginning to crack. Okay, so after this, he leaves and he heads up into the clouds, essentially, but he's passing by a wasteland, a, a city that clearly the future dystopian, um, poor, and just run down. And as he goes into the clouds, you get introduced to, this, to the magnificent splendor of what I guess the higher-ups would be living like. Now, when, while we're there, it's established that everybody in this world lives forever. Hence, we immediately understand why it is the need to kill children. You see, the, in this premise, this is the premise of what if we all stuck. <laughs> just now. Yeah, sorry about that, I'm a child. No, the sun just came out. Okay, so we, we stuck with the premise that, in other words, we know that if people were to live forever, there would be a finite amount of space on the planet. Hence, at some point in time, we would all have to stop reproducing. That is, if we're stuck on the planet and we're not going away to like Mars, we're not going out, we're not 
moving off planet to different colonies and such. So if we all stuck on the planet, it means to say at some point in time we have to stop breeding or else, of course, there will be too much of us. So what are we going to do in a situation like that? Um, so for instance, we may have, um, let me say the planet could contain 10 billion people and each person would probably have a number assigned to them. And that means you are that person forever. You know, there's a static um, nature to the human family. So with this um, being said, there would obviously have to be laws. Now, I thought that in a case like this, it would be obvious that if you did have children, it would mean that in order for it to be sort of just, that you, in other words, intentionally are giving up your space amongst, you know, the world. You're giving up your space in order to let your children um, live. And we'd need to create a buffer zone, a sort of um, buffer zone where we would allow certain people to be able to... In other words, we have... A, a certain buffer zone where we could allow a certain amount of extra people. That way you could have your child, raise it up to a particular age, at which point it will then you will then have to die and the child will take your place. That to me would make more sense. But we know how laws sometimes could become skewed and um, we could have silly laws on the books for many, many years. So in this world, they just simply kill your child. So now he basically um, cracking under pressure. He finds a breeder and basically he confronts her and asks her the question, why? Now, this is where the sugar real interesting because her answers, um, well, she says one, because she's not selfish. That was one of the words she used, she's not selfish. And then she points out that through the child's eyes, she sees everything new um, and that she doesn't have the dead eyes like he does anymore. So she's making a couple implications here. And one of them is that, one, we are selfish for not allowing her to breed. And I think that the show missed the mark here because it's the exact opposite if you really think about it. She is the selfish one because she chose, after society has agreed upon, an, upon a set rule um, she's the one who chose to flout the rules and put her child in danger, you know? Um, so, what, in other words, there were three choices she had. One was, if she did not like society rules, she could have killed herself. Or she could have obeyed, or she could have had her child on her own. But... She chose the most selfish of all her choices because, in other words, she only cared about herself. She wanted her child and that is all that mattered. So she chose to go out there and have a child, not really caring what kind of pains the child would have to grow up in. Because in a system like this, it's obvious at some point in time, the child would need to get registered. Uh, all these different set of things, unless you're planning for your child to live in a sort of um slum situation hiding from the law for the rest of her life so it seemed like she just only cared about the fact that she wanted this child to experience life the child was almost like some sort of medication for her so i was like okay well this character um immediately gamma angry with that you being selfish 
But the next point she made was that you have dull eyes. And this here implies that living forever would become boring and dead. Because in other words, they want to say that dying is a natural part of life. And it's so, in other words, it's kind of like, it's so beautiful to pass on kind of notion. And that too is a bit of garbage. So, first of all, there is no way we would be able to know fully if living forever would ever be boring. Now, in this situation, living forever is even better than in other situations where, let me say we have this scenario where you live in a forever by yourself and everybody dying around you. In a situation like that, we could perceive that maybe um, one could get a bit jaded by the way everybody else has passed away around them, all the people who mean something to them. But still, I don't believe that somebody would really want to give up everlasting life, even if nobody else around them was, um, even if nobody around them had everlasting life. And I would equate it to wealth. You know, if you are the most wealthy person and everybody around you are poor, it does produce a level of jealousy and envy. Um, and you may not have good relations with your neighbors, but rarely does a rich person decide, you know what? All this income inequality producing so many bad results, I am going to give my money all away so I could be poor like everyone else and we could all live in harmony. That doesn't really happen. So more than likely, if there were a scenario where people were living forever, the ones who, um, in other words, were living forever, would just view, you would just view other people as inferior, um, as tools, because undoubtedly over a period of time, you would ultimately become probably the greatest, the most wealthy person on the planet, simply because you have the most amount of time to accrue wealth. So that's why the whole notion of um, living forever becoming dull and boring, I just feel like that is rubbish. And I think um, it's, a, it's basically a feel-good mechanism due to the... To, it's a feel-good mechanism in view of having to confront our inevitable death. It's just to make us feel good about the fact that we're going to die. But death is not a good thing. Um... You know, it just, as, as much as they may try to sugarcoat it, it's not good. And everybody wish we could live forever. We all wish we could live forever. And if we were in a society like this, um, yeah, we would need to apply rules at some point in time. And people would need to obey those rules. Um, and people should not be having children for selfish reasons. Um, the other thing, too, in terms of living forever is that some people believe, in other words, that they may become boring, but it's sort of impossible. You see, within life, there are many games to play. For instance, let me take each profession as if it were a game. There's the, you know, you could become a woodwork, you could become a woodwork guy, a carpenter, you could become um, a plumber, you could diversify into many professions. Each one of them have different tiers or skill level and each one of them takes basically a lifetime to perfect and to become a master of the craft 
added to that, the craft itself is also evolving. So hence, a plumber from, you know, the, nine, the 1800s will not be the same plumber as in the 2000s. So each game evolves over time to compensate for the people involved within the game. What that means is if you are a plumber, the plumbing, plumbing itself will be evolving while you are aging. So just one field will be able to rally you through to true forever, in other words. Because it will always keep evolving and you will be evolving with it. So you will never really run out of stuff to learn and things to do. But added to that, the fields, in other words, plumbing is one game, carpentry is one game. Those games themselves are becoming, they as, they as well are growing fields. In other words, we did not have computer science um, back in the agricultural age. There was, there was no computer science to go to, but now we have computer science. Um, at some point in time, we may discover other fields. There are other fields always opening up. So other games are always opening up for people to be, um, to slot themselves into. So the game is way too multivaried for us to ever really run out of stuff to do because each game is infinite and then there are infinite number of games always arising. Infinity on top of infinity. It will never become boring because everybody will keep learning, keep growing. And the other point, like when I was talking to my wife, she... Um, she totally was on board with giving up her life, her, poof, her, her everlasting life for this child. I, I wasn't feeling that at all. Because humans gain value with time. The notion that a child is somehow more valuable, because in a way it was like if we had to think about it, the wife in, or the woman essentially was saying that. She was bringing new life into the world, knowing that we have a finite space meaning that other somebody else will have to give up their spot for her child even if it was her and i admit that that is a human choice if she chose to do that then we can't really stop her i find you should have the right to be able to give up your life for somebody else if you want to but the most lazy bum human who lived to be a thousand or three thousand years old will have infinitely more knowledge than the most zealous, hard-working five-year-old. It's just a matter of, you know, time. So a child should not really be placed as being more important than an than a adult in view of living forever. Once, once, in other words, we could live forever, a child should not be placed up over um, an adult. Because an adult, we all would have the potential to keep existing. Um, and a child life will not... A child, in other words, would have lived a shorter amount of time. Meaning they would have... They would have no concept of being able to appreciate all that they would have... All they would lose and all the, all the years that they may have lived. And they would not really have built up a wealth of knowledge that an adult would have been able to build up over time. So a child, in view of people who live forever, would have 
would not have more value than an adult human. It's probably the reason why they don't kill um, the adult who make the child in this universe. They view it as the child is the better one to die since they are an empty vessel at the point in time and they are an unknown quantity or unknown variable in the whole um, equation that would be the human society back then. Now there's another aspect of the show um, which have to do with the income inequality because he flies from the what we would consider the ghettos to the mansions above the clouds. Now I would assume at first I would have thought that wait in this world if we still have poor people and income inequality how these poor people are falling to live forever do they even live forever or is it that we have a top a top class who in other words are the ones that live forever and the bottom class um, they in other words have finite lives but I realize more than likely in this scenario everyone is immortal the reason why is because if we were in a scenario where the top class um, live forever but the bottom class um, who had finite lives it would not make sense to have a law that dictates killing um, breeders as they were called because the top would now view the masses as being cattle or you know herds of people to ferry around to do different tasks for them and um, the masses on the other hand they would have been controlled but they would still be allowed to breed because you would always want to increase your livestock as with everything else the top however would have had strict rules about breeding because to bring any new um, immortal person into existence would be um, sort of a, a unknown variable, as I was saying, in their, in their very delicate balance with the masses. So you're not too sure if one of, the, one of the people will decide to be a revolutionary or decide he wants to change things for the better. So you would need to basically sanction births. In other words... There would be a set amount of people they would, they would deem as being necessary for the top and then they would cut it off like, okay, this is the last person, nobody after this. And if you were to break that rule, more than likely you would be cast out from the realms of the, of the upper class and um, shunned. Uh, that is what may happen to you. But they would allow the bottom to breed as if they were cattle. And... Um, in that case, I recognize that, no, it means that everybody in this world does live forever. And the woman said as much when he confronted the breeder. She said that she lived to be 200 years old. So it means to say that even her common breeder um, live a very long life. Now, granted, she did look a bit more um, refined than the first breeder we met. So it could still... But, I mean, the author of the story was a bit... Um, they were, I think they probably were putting a little bit too many messages within the um, medium. But it was interesting, um, but I just think that everything about it was wrong. The woman was a selfish person. And the concept of living forever does not make one dull or does not lead to a dull life. If anything, life will only be getting better over time. And know what? Last point, a simple way to understand it. A lot of us right now are on what we call self-improvement trends. So we all start off in our 20s kind of dumb, 
our teens dumb and then 20s we're still dumb and then at some point in time we decide you know what we had to fix our life we want to get we want to become better now we would then begin to start to focus and try to improve our life from let me say 25 all the way up to 40 and by 45 year you're starting to be able to do it right and you you made you made great strides in improving yourself but the improvement never really does end but however there comes a point where you become too old to make any more improvements you become too old to optimize too old to really pursue um self-improvement anymore at least to the rate at which you used to do it before and certain things you have to cut out altogether um for instance you may be an avid sports player and at some point in time when you get old you have to stop because your, your, your ligaments might give out and such so if we could live forever the self-improvement will not stop it would be infinite I could already see that because within my brief existence here, there are so many things that you want to do that you can't. Um, it is the, the mortality of man, the, the having to confront death that produce madness within us. Um, yeah, but that's all I want to say. This is Gem Mine. Just a little review of that particular episode. Uh, still a good episode. Do watch it. Um, if you have any of your own thoughts, I, but I wouldn't mind hearing them. I want to discuss this. All right.